Sleepy Joe, sleepy, sleepy Joe. You know what? Being sleepy, incoherent, half dead, not with it. They may be the least of his problems. Because even when Joe Biden was sharp as a tack, he was still an asshole. We'll get into that by looking at his policies throughout his entire political career, who he's taken money from, his legislative and voting record. And it's what I've been telling everyone during the primaries, and nobody wanted to listen, but yeah, shitload of reasons why people really need to stop uh, supporting people like this for office. Otherwise, we're just going to continue in the same uh, race to the bottom every election, same awful cycle, and it's just going to keep getting worse. So we're going to get into that. Now, each time I do one of these segments about some scumbag, of course, it's called Everything You Need to Know About So-and-So. And yeah, it's everything you need to know to make an informed decision on why not to support them. Is it every bad thing about them? Is it every red flag there is? I'd be safe, I'd say what I'm covering here is the tip of the iceberg, and you may be able to find even more bad news about them. Or there could be other things I may have known that I left out, not on purpose, but because they're only 24 hours in a day of other stuff going on in my life. But it is everything you need to know to say, oh, hell no. Screw these people. So, something to keep in mind. Now, moving on with this. Yeah, I'm all about criticizing Joe Biden and shit. But I like to do it based on things that are true. And things that really are bad. Because I know there's, you know, there's just a lot of dumbasses out there that make people, well, want to defend him. Because when you're saying crap like, oh, he's a socialist. No, he's not. I mean, he's a scumbag and he's part of the establishment and all that. But, you know, he's been known to speak out against uh, all kinds of things like social security. There's a there's video of this where he was agreeing with Republicans on wanting to make cuts to social security. So you got to remember that. And also... Yeah, if the only thing he did differently was be a Republican, like have an R instead of a D next to his name, then these dipshits you see now who are saying, let's go Brandon and all that other crap and who call him this far left dictator and all that other horse shit, these same idiots would be praising him, kissing his ass, and shaming anyone who criticized him. If Joe Biden had R next to his name, anyone who said, oh man, this guy has cognitive decline, he just stutters all the time, always has gaffes, he's like half dead, can't go a day without making some kind of gaffe, then these same idiots would be calling you a communist who hates America, all right? Because that's because these people, they, they don't know how to think. You know, basically whatever certain media outlets tell them, certain type of talking heads tell them, you know, that basically does all the thinking for them. And if someone has a D next to their name, they're an evil communist. If someone has R next to their name, then they're a good guy. And that's it. Because if you look at Biden's history, things he's his voting record, his legislative record, you know, speeches he's made on the Senate floor. He spent 
most of his career basically giving Republicans everything they wanted, all right? Like, there are more differences between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders than there are between Joe Biden and most Republicans. And people need to realize that. You know, for every speech on the Senate floor or even in Congress in the House, depending what year we're looking at, that Bernie Sanders made either supporting something, fighting for something, or opposing something, you could find a speech of Joe Biden on the Senate floor calling for the complete opposite. Like I know during the primary, there's been like some clips that were put together comparing the two side by side. I mean, that's how ridiculous this is. So again, we're gonna criticize him based on things that are accurate, things that are true, his record. And I know another thing I see some criticism about him that really just, oh God, means this one more, long, added to the long list of things that makes me uh, lose my faith in the human race, but you know, we still want to keep going forward anyway, is the whole Keystone Pipeline thing, like blocking the Keystone Pipeline. All right, well, let's look at the facts about this. One, it's oil that's in Canada that it would move. And it would be benefiting some Canadian oil company, all right? Basically, America the Beautiful would be a foreign corporation's bitch if this thing went through. That's what it is, which is why it's laughable that people who call themselves patriots who want to put America first, you know, want to support this thing and say that anyone who doesn't is anti-American. It's such horseshit. And if you were to look at the amount of refineries that closed in America during the pandemic, when a lot less cars were on the road and demand went down, and the amount of barrels of oil that we were no longer producing, and then that winter storm in Texas that damaged a few refineries there, and the amount less oil being produced there. If you look at that, and then look at how many gallons of oils would have been transported through that pipeline, it pales in comparison to that. So it wouldn't have made a dent. And another reason it wouldn't make a dent, having regarded the gas prices when they're high, is because the thing would still be under construction right now anyway, if it did go through, or close to finishing it by now, because we're in 2023 now. So it'd probably still not even be done yet anyway and most of it was going to be exported anyway so if you're complaining about uh, the prices at the gas pump this would not have saved you all right so let's just cut the crap with that and keep our eye on the ball and look at the things that really do make joe biden suck and we're going to do that right now So Joe Biden is not as progressive or left-leaning or liberal as a lot of people like to crack him out to be. And as far as him being centrist or moderate, it's not in the good sense. Right? When it comes to bipartisanship, I like to say there are two kinds. The good kind of bipartisanship is when Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich or Bernie Sanders agree on something. 
and the bad kind of bipartisanship is when Joe Biden and the Bushes agree on something, or when the Clintons and the Bushes agree on something. Get it? So let's follow the money. We all know he's from Delaware. And what's in Delaware? A lot of credit card companies and banks. Why? Same reason a lot of them are headquartered in South Dakota. Loose laws that make it easy for them to rip off consumers as much as they possibly can, to make a long story short. So while Biden may be calling for caps on some credit card fees now and even some bank regulations, a lot of this is a mess he helped make in the first place. When Biden was named the vice president nominee in 2008, ProPublica did a piece called Biden's Cozy Relations with Bank Industry. Until that point, MBNA, a financial services company from Delaware, has been Biden's largest campaign contributor for 20 years. And wouldn't you know it, he was a key supporter of an industry-favored bill, the Bankruptcy Abuse Prevention and Consumer Protection Act of 2005. That actually made it harder for consumers to get protection under bankruptcy. Biden was one of the first Democratic supporters of the bill and voted for it four times until it finally passed in March 2005. A look at his legislative record revealed Biden was one of five Democrats in, in March 2005 who voted against a proposal to require credit card companies to provide more effective warnings to consumers about the consequences of paying only the minimum amount due each month. He also went to help defeat amendments aimed at strengthening protections for people forced into bankruptcy who have large medical debts or are in the military. Biden argued that the amendments were unnecessary because the legislation already carved out exemptions for those debtors. And he was one of four Democrats who sided with Republicans to defeat an effort to shift responsibility in certain cases from debtors to the predatory lenders who helped push them into bankruptcy. Also reported that Biden helped kill an amendment of wide bipartisan support that would have stopped corporations from what's known as judge shopping, and going to the most friendly venues for their bankruptcy cases. And again, of course, he's been known as Credit Card Joe because of basically the industry that bribed him all these years and decades. Do you know what's not covered in bankruptcy, not protected? Student loan debt. Yeah, so if he really cared about student loan debt forgiveness, don't you think he would have fought to make that into the bankruptcy bill? Don't you think he would have allowed for that to be discharged? Come on. And another thing about that, I know a lot of people are thinking, all right, he's a socialist, he wants to forgive all the student loan debt. Blah, 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 blah. All right, 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 right. Let, let, let's look at the timing of this, okay? Notice how when he announced doing that, it just happened to be after months and nearly two years of low approval ratings for him and his party. Shortly before a midterm election. Hmm. Yeah, if him and his party 
or that serious about that. If this is something they all really, really, really wanted to do. Now, I'm, I'm sure there are some Democrats who would do it if they had their way and who would have supported it and who really stand for it. But not enough. If this is something they really wanted to do that badly, they would have done it on day one. They had the House, they had the Senate, they had the White House, they had it all. And when he took office, you know, COVID was still a bigger deal than now. So there's more things he could have gotten away with doing because of this whole emergency. And, oh, the Omicron not too long ago, that came back. And, oh, it's not over yet. Or, oh, a spike here, a spike there. And it's just screwing things up. So this is something they easily could have done so much earlier if they really cared about it that much. But no, they sat on their thumbs. And then when a midterm was approaching and their approval ratings were in the gutter, oh, well, we have to look like we're trying to deliver for people. So now we're going to suddenly say uh, all these good things that we'll do. Come on, think about it. And another thing, too, drives me nuts about the people who criticize it. I mean, it doesn't look like it's happening now because the whole Supreme Court cases that are going on with it and all that. But one, it wasn't all student loan debt. It was only up to a certain amount. And people like below a certain income. And it was de- and it was a decent limit to put too. It wasn't something ridiculous where, oh, if you make more than 10 grand a year, you don't qualify for it. You know, like a lot of other social programs. No, it was something that's decent. So it was only up to a certain amount which means people who have like $60,000 in debt, guess what? They have like 10,000 of that forgiven or 20,000 if they were a Pell Grant recipient. They're still gonna have a ton of student loan debt to still pay off anyway. So relax, people are still gonna live in debt peonage. I don't know why people like that, but whatever. And that's all there is to it. And then there's some stupid Republican politician who said the quiet part loud, basically, about how, well, no, people aren't going to want to join the military now because, you know, if they could have their student loans forgiven, why would they want to do that? Yeah, it's almost as if patriotism has nothing to do with why people join, right? It's all about the college money, right? Well, again, if you were to look at what the Army, for example, offers in, with their loan repayment program if you're to enlist in the army after graduating high school high school i mean college after you graduate college it's more than what would have been forgiven under this plan so if somebody has like 50 or 60 thousand dollars in student loan debt yeah this plan wasn't going to forgive all of that Whereas they could have just about all of that taken care of if they enlisted into the army with that incentive. And as far as people who join the military before going to college, and then when they get out, they use the GI Bill to go to college. Well, the GI Bill doesn't always cover everything, all right? You know, it's basically a stipend you get from the VA as long as you keep improving that you're enrolled and in good standing and all that. Now, it could be a free ride if you're communicating to communicating, commuting, commuting. God, I have Biden brain now. All right, commuting to 
to a local school. The closest community college or or public four-year college to where your parents live and you're living back with your parents again. But who the fuck wants to do that after they've been on active duty in the military for a few years? You know, you, know, you, you want to be independent. Come on. And I can't speak for everybody, but based on my own personal experience, that's what I wanted to be, as independent as possible. So instead of doing something that you could have done right after high school without joining the military, you know, use it to enable yourself to do something you would not have been able to do, like going away to college, for example, things like that. Now, I know the post 9-11 GI Bill is a lot more generous than the GI Bill before that, which is what I had. I was in the Army before shit hit the fan. And the GI Bill by itself then really wasn't that much. And the good amount, like when that advertised got up to 40000 for college, that was a GI Bill plus the Army College Fund. The Army College Fund you got if you had a certain type of job. I was field artillery. If you had a combat arms job, that, those were mostly the jobs that qualified for that. And a certain ASFAB score, ASFAB being the standardized test to get into the military. Like if you score just a high enough on that, that shows that, yeah, you are smart enough to go to, like, go to college. All right. Even if you're not Albert Einstein, per se, it's like, all right, you're right. Yes, you can be college bound. So we're not wasting money at all on this for you. And it depended how many years you joined too. like the amount that the advertise would be if you went in for four years. If you went in for two years or three years, it was a little bit less. Now, again, it, it was still made a difference. It still enabled me to be away at college. It enabled me to live more independently while in college, which I would not have been able to do had I not done that. But you know, it, you, if you're doing it on your own, you have other expenses to keep up with anyway, which means you're still going to apply for financial aid. You're still going to apply for Pell Grants and even dun, 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 take out student loans. And then that you have to repay. And let's just say you still manage to hack it without taking out the loans, because again, if you've been in the army recently or the military recently and you have the post 9-11 GI Bill, it is more generous, but college is also more expensive. And you're able to do those four years of college without borrowing any money, but you decide to go to grad school afterwards. Well, again, you know, the GI Bill, it's it's good for four years of college is what it covered, is what it pays you for. After that, you get your four-year degree and you try to move on to law school or graduate school, some kind of post-graduate uh, college, you're on the same boat as everyone who never served in the military, which means you'd also have to borrow money, student loans, all right? So yes, you could add military veterans to the list of people who a lot of Republicans and right-wing media pundits are telling the drop dead when it comes to this issue of forgiving student loan debt. Because I know they try to paint this caricature that, oh my God, is this tax money going to these like pink haired baristas or slackers smoking bongs in their parents' basements because they majored in gender studies or some bullshit, boo, bullshit. It goes to all kinds of people. Like there are nurses who would have benefited from this. There are teachers who would have benefited from this. All kinds of people would have benefited from this. And I know they try to, you know, pit people against each other. They try to do some divide and conquer bullshit where it's like, ah, it's just a slap in the face to even blue collar workers or truck drivers. Well, guess what? 
Believe it or not, there are truck drivers and blue collar workers who also have student loan debt. Yeah, some people go to college and when they're done, not all of them go into what they studied or some of them find out, eh, maybe it's not for me. And they find that pursuing some other job is just what's helping pay the bills for the time being, or maybe they ended up liking it better. I mean, everybody's life is different. Everybody's life is its own journey. So to make that kind of divide and conquer thing is just stupid. And even blue collar workers or truck drivers who didn't go to college, well, guess what? A lot of them have kids who are or who did. Yeah. So not only does this benefit would have had benefited the recipients, it also would have benefited uh, spouses and parents of. So that's just something to think about before you believe a lot of stupid narratives that are out there and fall for the divide and conquer bullshit and and think that it's only certain people that benefits at your expense and so on and so forth. I mean, this is something that benefits more people. And then it would be more money each month that would go into the local economy, more money that could possibly go into home ownership, things like that. All right. So just something to think about on that issue. I know I went on a tangent about that. So again, if Biden and all the Democrats really wanted to forgive the student loan debt that badly, they would have picked a more effective avenue and would have done it a lot sooner. I know I'm on a soapbox throwing in my two cents, whereas some would say I'm showing my bias, but I have to counter the bullshit that makes criticizing Biden look bad or all the bullshit that, if anything, drives people to support him. He lies like a rug. Recently on The Daily Show, he told host Cal Penn about an exact moment he had an epiphany as a teenager on supporting gay marriage and LGBTQ rights when his dad dropped him off at school. Biden said, I remember about to get out of the car and I looked to my right and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. And I'll never forget it. I turned and looked at my dad and he said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. All right, bullshit. Now, if that really did happen, the epiphany clearly did not happen right there and then. I mean, maybe over time it eventually did. But, I mean, how long does it take this guy to, like, evolve on all the issues? And it doesn't look like he had... It doesn't look like he has more than half of his life ahead of him at this point, all right? So even if it really did happen, all right? And if you know people who were in high school around the same time he was, ask them how common it was to see two guys uh, out in public holding hands. Ask if that was something that they would see near a high school, even. And see what kind of answer you get. Yeah. So I'm calling bullshit on it. But even if it did happen, though, it did not spark anything in him immediately. In 1973, this is like about a decade, give or take, after that, he told his Delaware constituents that his gut reaction to a question about gays working for the federal government was that they would be security risks. Damn. 
1996, he voted in favor of the Defense of Marriage Act, which declared that states were not required to recognize same-sex marriages performed in another state, and defined marriage as being between a man and a woman. Two years earlier, he was also on board with a measure proposed by Republican Senators Robert Smith of New Hampshire and Jesse Helms of North Carolina that cut federal funds to schools that taught acceptance of homosexuality. When appearing on Meet the Press in 2006, he said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman and states must respect that nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. New York Post reported on this back in March and the archival footage of all of this speaks for itself. Here's another fib of his. Twice within a five week period in 2019, he claimed he opposed the Iraq war from the moment it began. Bullshit. In case you didn't already know, Biden voted for the Iraq war, which we all know turned out to be a blunder and based on lies. Now, throughout the war, he's been critical of Bush's handling of it because we need to maintain the illusion that the two major parties are so different, and in some ways they are, but you'll always have this partisan bickering going on, all right? He did more than just vote for it, though. You can find video of him on YouTube calling for Saddam Hussein's removal as far back as 1998. When Democrats controlled the Senate in 2002, Biden was chair of the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations and argued strongly in favor of the 2002 resolution granting President Bush the authority to invade Iraq. He was able to choose all 18 witnesses in the main Senate hearings on Iraq. Of course, he chose people who supported a pro-war position, arguing in favor of regime change as the stated U.S. policy, and warned of a nuclear-armed Saddam sometime in this decade. These clowns led this country to believe Iraqis would welcome the United States as liberators, and that Iraq permits known al-Qaeda members to live and move freely about in Iraq, and that they are supported. Just before the vote to authorize military force, Biden gave a long speech on the Senate floor. He claimed to believe that voting on it would likely get weapons inspectors in, which in turn, decreases the prospects of war. When everyone knew this was really about going to war with Iraq, come on. Or come on, man, as he likes to say. So while there are a few headlines from this March of this March of this year, of Biden showing support for repealing authorizations for war in Iraq and the Gulf, it doesn't bring back to life the thousands who died. As long ago as it was, he was no kid at the time either. I mean, he was sharper than he is now. He wasn't in cognitive decline like now, and he was still a longtime senator. All right, he should have known better. And people who know better are the only people I'd like to see in politics for as long as he's been in, or at all for that matter. I know nobody is perfect and all that, uh, you know, but this goes beyond, eh, we're all different, or hey, eh, we live, we learn. Then there's the war with Russia and Ukraine, as we all know, all that money going there and him visiting there instead of East Palestine, Ohio, when that train derailment took place, we all know that. But the Nord Stream pipeline explosion is worthy of attention. If you haven't already, check out Seymour Hirsch's reporting on it. You can find him on Substack and interviews on Democracy Now! and other shows on YouTube. If you think for a second that it's kooky and crazy to suspect or believe Biden had anything to do with that explosion, 
You should hear what he said a little over a year ago. There are sound and video clips of it you can find, I'm sure. You can also find this quote of his in an article by NPR dated February 7th, 2022, headlined, Biden says the Nord Stream 2 pipeline won't move ahead if Russia invades Ukraine. He was in a joint news conference with the German chancellor talking about if Russia were to invade Ukraine again, Biden said, if Russia invades, that means tanks or troops crossing the border of Ukraine again, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. He said, we will bring an end to it. Asked how the U.S. would ensure that, Biden did not offer specifics. He just said, I promise you, we will be able to do it. Fast forward to now, we're Germany is going to get oil from, who's Germany going to get oil from now? The Middle East, the United States. I mean, those are two other places other than Russia to get oil from, right? Oh, look, Biden approved an oil drilling project on federal lands in Alaska. Remember when drilling for oil in Alaska is what made Bush the bad guy in the eyes of some people who vote blue don't matter who? Oh, and Biden also approved more more oil drilling permits in his first year as president than Trump did in four. Biden has also given the go-ahead for an 807-mile natural gas pipeline project in Alaska that is pissing off environmentalists who say it threatens the climate and wildlife. Even Fox News recovered that, for crying out loud. He's also allowed other pipeline projects within the country to continue, so no, he's not anti-pipeline, as many foolishly believe, whether or not the people who believe that crap want him to be is a whole other thing. Bottom line is this breaks his campaign promise of no more drilling on federal lands. Ready for another broken campaign promise? You may remember during his 2020 campaign when he pledged that he would ensure all workers have at least seven paid sick days. The Democrat-controlled majority in Congress during the early years of his presidency is on the hook for this, too, as Biden did call on Congress to pass a bill that would require companies to let all of their workers accrue at least seven days of paid sick leave per year. We could do a whole separate podcast series on Democrats not delivering when they have the chance and are in control. Easy to blame the other party when they're in control, but when it's your own party, come on. As you may recall, this past fall, there was a labor dispute between rail workers and railroad companies. Lever News this past November did an article titled, Biden is breaking his sick leave promise to crush rail workers, which I'm about to get into in a bit. They also did one headlined how Biden and Buttigieg could deliver sick leave to rail workers, which goes into detail about it, despite any excuses that may come from them. It speaks volumes when a source like the lever exposes and criticizes any Democrat as they are not right-leaning by any stretch. By the way, if you never have, you should check out levernews.com to find coverage that exposes corruption in both major parties and huge campaign donors. They also have a few cool podcasts of their own as well. Anyway, so while the rural worker unions were pushing for 15 sick days, which isn't asking much considering the type of work they do, Biden negotiated a deal between the railroad bosses and unions that would only grant workers a single paid sick day per year. That doesn't sound like the party of labor. Even Ted Cruz 
senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, said the workers' demands for paid sick leave are quite reasonable. How out of touch with progressives and moderates or even just common people and workers in general, how out of touch do you have to be when you are to the right of Ted Cruz? God damn. This uh, this should come as no surprise, though, as this isn't the first time Biden went against the demands and interests of workers. I'm sure by now you heard of that bipartisan screw job of a trade deal from the 90s known as NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement, and the job losses that resulted from it. Well, guess who voted for it as a senator? You got it, Joe Biden. This is a key issue that in certain states, like the Rust Belt, drove some Democrats into independence, including some Bernie Sanders primary voters, to choose Trump over Clinton in 2016 and again over Biden in 2020, or to set out altogether. As much as I think Trump is a turd and that today's Republican Party is unbearable and embarrassing to this country and, and humanity in general, when will Democrats learn to stop nominating their worst? It's like they want to lose on purpose or disappoint everyone when they win. Crime, crime, everywhere a crime. That's right. Biden was also part of the crime wave fear-mongering bandwagon, even in the 90s when crime in this country was actually hitting its lowest in decades. All right, I'm all about punishing assholes as much as the next person. All right, I mean, people shouldn't do bad things to others. I totally get that. But you got to be careful. Like when politicians say, I'm your law and order candidate, or they talk about being tough on crime, you know, from either party. It's not just about going after killers and rapists. I mean, hopefully that's included in there, but a lot of times it's about going after people for stupid shit like having a bag of grass in their pocket. You know, throwing people in jail who don't really need to be thrown in jail. And giving more power to the police things like civil asset forfeiture where they could just take your cash away from you and claim oh we suspect you were gonna spend it on drugs or something all right i mean that's fucked up or you know you're just even giving local judges and prosecutors more control like ignoring evidence when you try to dispute something and i mean just a lot of bullshit a lot of authoritarian crap that shouldn't exist in a country that likes to call itself free right? And yeah, I mean, he even admits, I wrote the damn bill. I think he was referring to the 1994 crime bill. But for now, let's look at the 1991 bill he solely sponsored. Aha. Now, lately, we keep hearing news about Trump calling for the death penalty for for some drug dealers and kingpins and whatnot. Okay, he's not the first to do that. In the Biden-Thurmond Violent Crime Control Act of 1991, you'll see that Title IV is called Death Penalty for Drug Criminals Act. Provides for imposition of the death penalty for those subject to mandatory life imprisonment for committing a federal drug felony as part of a continuing criminal enterprise. Now, while it's correct for the media to call out Trump for calling for something or to bring attention to it, it would also be just as correct for them to call out Biden for implementing that very same thing in the first place. All right. As far as the 1994 crime bill, 
It is praised as going after violent crime, even though the rate of violent crime began to decline before it went into effect. There was a lot in this bill, so I'm sure there was some good in it, but it still had the failed war on drugs involved too, and helped contribute to mass incarcerations and racial disparities within that. A lot of the increasing in the prison population stemmed from the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, which was co-sponsored in the Senate by, you guessed it, Joe Biden. The bill enacted new mandatory minimum sentences for drugs, including marijuana. Give me a fucking break. And on the federal level, weed still remains in the same category as fucking heroin. Schedule one drugs. Sleepy Joe and his party had ample time to fix that. What are they waiting for? What is the last straw, the final resort, blue don't matter who voters go to when trying to shame people into voting Democrat don't matter what? The Supreme Court and abortion. We hear it every four years. If nothing else, vote blue don't matter who if you're pro-choice. Well, here's something NBC reported on June 5th, 2019, headlined, Joe Biden's long evolution on abortion rights still holds surprises. A review of his Senate record found repeated examples of him rejecting exemptions for victims of rape and incest that were supported by many members of his party at the time. Biden voted against a 1977 compromise that allowed Medicaid to fund abortions that included exemptions for victims of rape and incest, in addition to concerns for the life of the mother. While the rape and incest exceptions passed in that case, Biden voted in 1981 to, again, remove them in what was the most far-reaching ban on federal funds ever enacted by Congress. Biden also voted several times, including in 1983, to prohibit federal workers from using health insurance on abortion services, with the only exception being to save the life of the mother. Eh, all right. Since then, he has mentioned he doesn't want his religious beliefs to be imposed on everyone in a book he wrote in 2007. He'd openly say Roe v. Wade is the law of the land a woman has a right to choose in more recent times. While campaigning, he said that if the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, while he's president, he would push legislation to keep it legal. Even though his presidential campaign confirmed to NBC News that Biden still supports the Hyde Amendment, a four-decade-old ban on using federal funds for abortion services, except in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the woman. Support of that amendment separated him from the rest of his primary opponents. So a little recap here. Joe Biden has a history of siding with credit, creditors over debtors or consumers that they like to screw over. And to find all other industries he's taken money from, you could look them up on Oprah secrets.org and see who's, who he sold out to over the years, his long career. And War and Peace issues, not a good candidate, voted for the Iraq war. He's pro-interventionist, does nothing to stop imperialism. So he's a part of the establishment, clearly. And he's into authoritarian law and order, tough on crime bullshit. And he's not the reason why people vote Democrat other than to vote for the lesser evil. 
And he has a record that proves that. And he takes forever to quote unquote evolve on a lot of issues. I mean, can he turn around and try to do things that go against things he did in the past and do the opposite for the future? Possibly, if there's enough pressure, maybe. Or if he's having some type of epiphany now, at this point in his life, who knows? I mean, here's for hoping, but I wouldn't place any bets on it. So that is everything you need to know about Joe Biden. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there, there's so much more stuff out there that you could easily dig up. And so many things that make him, eh, not what he says he is. Or things where he says one thing and does another. Or instances where he may not be as bad as other politicians, but he ain't it. So please keep that in mind. And and how anyone in this party is like has their full support behind them for 2024? Oh my God! I mean that that's just desperate and pathetic, man. I Jesus, and it's even disappointing that uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, said I'm not going to run again. I'm going to instead I'm going to support Biden. All right, now if he if Bernie were to say I'm not running again because I'm 5,000 year years old, and frankly you motherfuckers had your chance twice to nominate me and elect me, I I totally respect that. I mean, I say, oh, yeah, yeah, you tell him. But the support Biden, uh-uh. It's a, it's a trap. That's the problem with uh, running as a Democrat is you have the party bosses, the party leadership and all that to get behind. And it's a shame. I mean, Bernie Sanders always won as an independent when he ran for the U.S. Senate, when he was in the House of Representatives, and when he was a mayor in Vermont, in Burlington. And if he knew he could win as an independent, as president, I'm sure he'd go for it. But he probably believes the whole lesser evil thing. And and let's be real. If he were to run as an independent, he would not have gotten nearly as much media attention as he did when he ran in the Democratic primary. And there would not have been as strong as a movement that would have built, unfortunately. If so, it would have taken a lot more effort, a lot more spreading the word, a lot more trying to convince people. And any coverage he would get by the media would be about, oh, you're going to be a spoiler. So I could see why he would go in the Democratic primary, because that would get his message out there more, increase attention, get him in the debates, get him on the debate stage, and have some type of chance to succeed. And unfortunately, it didn't work that way. But I understand why one would go that route. But again, this is the shit we're stuck with and we could do better and we must do better before it's too late. And don't get it twisted either. Voting for some whatever piece of shit scumbag the Republicans nominate is not the answer to Biden at all. Which is why I'm doing this now before it's too late. Now is the time to really get our heads out of our asses and reject the crap that both parties are fielding and either find better people who are not complete sellouts and scumbags to run in the primary or if as a third party or independent, get that momentum going now 
get it ahead of time. That way they're not a nobody and that way people are confident in voting for them. So yeah, let's do this. Important to do this episode and others like it right now regarding the scumbags and sellouts who may seek higher office in the near future because we have to get it out now. Waiting until October of 2024 to try to convince people that both major party candidates are awful will be too late. We know this. Time is crucial to make better decisions in the primary elections or get a bigger movement going on to support a better option outside the duopoly. To hear more episodes, follow The Andrew Miller Show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also available on Google Podcasts and several other podcast platforms I never even heard of until making these podcast episodes. If you want to support the show by throwing a few bucks at it, there's a link for that at the end of the show's description where it says About on the Spotify page or directly underneath the show's photo on the Apple Podcast site. You can also follow the show on Facebook, The Andrew Miller Show. To recognize it on Facebook, the profile pic is the same for the show itself, the astronaut on the moon with the flag, and the cover photo has two pictures in it. The one where Trump and the Clintons are schmoozing together, having a good time, and within it is the photo of Biden awarding Bush the Liberty Medal. Because nothing says liberty like supporting the Patriot Act, NSA spying, and the failed war on drugs. The point of those pics as the cover photo is that it's a big club and you and I aren't in it, as George Carlin pointed out in one of his later rants. Sadly, many people in this country need to be reminded of that. And of course, always remember, demand and pressure from the bottom on up is how real change happens. Anything that is great about our country, I know anyone can make a 10 hour long podcast episode about everything that's not great, But there are some great things, and everything that is great about our country, or even public and government services or programs that are actually good, none of that came about because of an elected official who wanted to be nice. Uh Uh-uh. It all comes from demanding it. A lot of protections or freedoms that are passed in individual states don't happen from leaving everything in the hands of the governor, but rather a referendum or public question or ballot initiative yes or no vote on the ballot for the people to decide. In fact, you can scroll through previous episodes of the show and find an episode about ballot initiatives and referendums. Hey, if you believe citizens and taxpayers should have more say in how their tax money is being spent, there's an episode about participatory budgeting. If you think the winner of an election should be the person who got the most votes, yeah, imagine that, right? There's an episode about a national popular vote. If you loathe and despise both the Democrat and Republican parties and are embarrassed to be registered as one, but still see them as the only game in town, and there's a candidate you like running in their publicly funded and administered primary election, there's an episode about open primaries. Or how about this? If you want to vote for a third party or independent candidate without being deemed a spoiler, and want to see more people feel comfortable voting their true conscience, check out the episode on Ranked Choice Voting. 
If you're wondering what the deal is with delegates and primaries and at the party conventions, there's an episode about that too. Check it all out. Learn how to get involved. While I continue to rant about what I don't like here and there, or interview candidates I'd like to see succeed or gain more traction, I'll also cover more causes and talk with people involved in them. This is where it's at. Let's move forward, and for now, peace out.